West, hip hop, the Broadway, and fuzz. I'm from Bristol, originally grew up in Norwest. We're here now in Bedminster to talk about Norwest. Yeah. Can you tell our listeners what this place represents for you? How would you define Norwest for outsiders? Well, I think of Norwest, I think of the, my childhood growing up there, and there's quite a naive view of it when we were growing up because we weren't aware of the stigma attached to the area. We grew up in the 80s in Knoll, and it was quite, it was just on the edge of changing into something completely different. It had quite a bad reputation, but for us being raised in that area, wasn't really affected by it as much. There were some issues, obviously, but on the whole, it was okay. We had a lot, we had some really strong friends up there who were like really smart, really creative, and if we'd all been in any other area of Bristol and given the right set of tools, we could have flourished. As it is, a lot of those people have flourished despite being in those. Uh, been in that setting. So it's a working class uh, council estate area in South Bristol, which was quite isolated and kind of still is in a way. So it's one of the places that doesn't really get too much of a mention when we talk about Bristol. More, you're probably going to hear about more St Paul's, Clifton, Montpellier, the more trendier parts of Bristol, Totterdam, Bedminster now, Southfield, that's got really um, gentrified. And so that's really trendy as well. So yeah. And what is also interesting is that Norwest was actually made as this social experiment for uh, people back from the war, like the soldiers, the, the one called the heroes. That's when they build up those houses and new council estates. So there's a, a bit of a paradox where it was probably thought as some sort of future for everyone to have some space, and it's very green as well. Yeah. Were you aware when you were a kid that it was a good idea to turn bad or that the promise was never delivered by the government? Or how, how did this pass resonate with you? Do you know what? It wasn't until much later, after moving out of the area, that I realised the history of it uh, with the centenary. What we had as a kids growing up in, in that time was the rural aspect. It is so close to Dundry and um, Hartcliffe and those areas, which are very on the outskirts of Bristol. And so and during the summer holidays and half-term holidays, we can walk from our home through to the fields, from an old abandoned aircraft place field, straight through to Dundry. So it was, it was a time of um, great exploration and... Um, like fantasy as a kid, like there was a motorbike track, there was like plenty of green space, there was old hangars, there was just a lot to do, there was an adventure playground in one part of it. Yeah, it was amazing in that sense. I think it was a little bit let down because of um, 
you know, the social dynamics with the, with the people that were in that area. There was a lot of Irish up there. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of Irish and Scottish up there. And, um, you know, I think that area got a little bit neglected. And so it, towards the late 80s, it had become quite run down in places. And the school was up there was called Merwood Boys. And um, it was just an all-boys school. And they had an all-girls school called Merwood Girls, obviously. But it just became a lot more synonymous with um, things not going right. So it was one of those kind of like council estates that people wouldn't want to live in or go to and stuff like that. But like I said, once you were brought up in the area, it had a different kind of energy about it. And like I said, there was a group of friends that we had up there in the same year and a year above and a year below were just like seriously creative and inspiring to be around. They, they just knew so much about life and the hustle and the opportunities there were out in there. So on one level, you know, on a political level, it, it was... It was a failure. <laughs> On a social kind of community level, it was quite a success. That's probably what I was about to say. Yourself as a teenager and a young boy, you yeah. ended up being extremely creative and you're quite known for that. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? How you getting into music? Is it because you had a bigger brother or...? Bigger brother. That is it, plain and simple. We had an older brother who's like five years older than us. And what happened was he was going out to all the clubs in Bristol, coming back and, you know, and we'd see him leave and come back the next morning and his bedroom would reflect the social climate of the music industry at that time. So it was a lot of disco, it was a lot of funk. There was this um, move towards um, two-tone and ska. And then we were getting um, glimpses of what it was like outside of Knoll via him and his record collection and his tape collection. And then hip-hop came in and totally changed the game for me and my brothers because that was the one thing that we found our first identity with outside of being black in Norway, basically. That was the first kind of like, all right, we're different. So we're standing out in that way. And then the music just really helped us seeing those guys in the States do what they were doing. It was just something new for that generation. It was like, I think reggae was for kind of more of my dad's generation. So was the soul, was kind of my, from my older brother's generation. Hip-hop really smacked me and my brothers square in the face. And it was just like, yeah, that, that is for us. It was brand new, it hadn't been invented before. And it was like, yeah, this is, this is it. This is what we want to listen to, this is what we want to do for the rest of our lives. It's amazing, because yeah. it was only just started, even in places like New York and California, and you yeah. picked up super yeah. early on it. We got there really early, thanks to my brother. Like, um, like I say, he had, whether it was um, uh, KISS FM tapes and WBLS tapes, they were getting flooded into Bristol, and he managed to get hold of a couple. Then the Wildstar film came out, that, that just cemented it. It was just like, this is the real deal. I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm, 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 I'm into it. And that really straight away stirred us. I mean, we were never really into like the, the criminal aspect of that environment, but any kind of idea was washed away completely when the music came in. It was like, this is the direction, and these guys are being creative in such a different way. There was like the five disciplines of hip hop, you know, it was like this whole breakdancing, rapping, DJing, graffitiing, you know, it was just like, yeah, and the, and the music production, it was just like all these different aspects that you can get a hold of. And I think a lot of people in Bristol just dug in and found their niche. Big parties, there were break dancers, there were graffiti artists, there were rappers, there were the DJs. And then there were the people coming to the parties as well. They played a massive part, which I, I, it's always overlooked in when we mention Bristol in, in the music industry. I mean, the people who came out to support myself and the Fresh Four or the Wild Bunch and, you know, Casey Rock and UD4 and FBI and all these other crews. The people in Bristol made the Bristol scene as much as the DJs and the producers and stuff like that. So we've experienced all kinds of great parties in Bristol, but some of them, it's the people that made the parties. I mean, the music was great, the, the vibe was good from the DJing aspects of thing, but 
it was the buzz that was being created with the people. You know, there's this kind of like synergy between the people and the performers. There were some real memorable nights, and I think that's what sparked us into taking and continuing that creative path. Because once we saw Wildstar, that was a creative spark for us, and that gave us a lot of energy to, to move forward. And then once we started adapting the scratching aspects and the rapping and the, the whole hip-hop ethos, and then we saw more of it happening in Bristol, it, it just made sense to us to keep on pursuing that. And then we happened to then be one of, of a very minority in Northwest and in South Bristol that was doing that style of music at that time. And um, so people got to know of us quite quickly. And because we're who we are, creative and quite kind of competitive, but more like just wanting to be good. So we just worked really hard at our craft and, you know, we, we ended up being, I think, pretty good. Yeah. Then pretty early on, you had you, DJ Flynn and DJ Flora mm -hmm. and Fresh Four. And later on, there was Tricky, obviously, that were from South Bristol. Yeah. And there was some sort of a response to have something happening yeah. here on the south of the river. Is yeah. it how you felt that you also wanted to represent your neighborhood? Yeah, we got, we got a lot of stick early on. So it was important that we were able, we were as good as anyone out there. You know, on the mixing, the scratching, the rapping, the DJing, every aspect, we needed to be as good, maybe a bit better, because we needed to push ourselves and, and show them. Within no time at all, it, we were like proud to represent the South Bristol. And it was South Bristol more than Northwest. Then it became like, well, where are you from? And then it was like, yeah, well, we are from Northwest. You know, and then people were just saying like, you guys from Northwest or you guys from South Bristol. And so we were like, yeah. And then as we got better and progressed, we started doing warehouse parties. And one of the defining moments was when we did a warehouse party in the centre. It got raided quite early and we moved it from there to a place that we were practicing at in St. Luke's, which is like the squat, which is in the video, Fresh Four video. And that night cemented us as being like South Bristol. And we were able to pull the people from Bristol across the bridge, like literally across the bridge, across the water for the first time, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the last time. But no, but no, but like, we were definitely the first people to kind of bring that amount of people south of the river for one of those parties. And that was, I think that was a real conscious turning point for us and Bristol to say, yeah, these guys are the real deal and they're from South Bristol and we just got to hold our hands up at this point. And then the record came out as well about a year or so later and that, you know, that cemented it and then we shot the video at St. Luke's we told people about it and they all came down and they were all featured in the video as well and so yeah. Wishing on the Star yeah from Fresh Four so that 1989-1990 co-produced by Smith and Mighty and produced by myself and Floor had a, a big input on it as well so it's kind of like where we kind of really first kind of got the to grips with the whole music aspect of it music production aspect as opposed to just DJing so that was a real big up for South Bristol and again you mentioned Tricky he went to Marywood as well and we, we know him and he knows us and he pushed it again from specifically saying he was a Norwest boy he spent some time up there and kind of yeah he wanted to use that as a one of his kind of like things to kind of push his identity a bit as well so yeah and I'm happy to have grown up in Norwest at that specific time. It was an amazing time. We were given quite a lot of freedom to do what we wanted to socially. We were given a lot of freedom within Eagle House Youth Club to like to do parties. It was one of the first safe places we could do parties. So it was a really good place to grow up at that time and, and to bring that music culture out. Where do you think it all happened? Was it in your own houses or in... Yeah. Did you have at least a creative centre to just in meet? Norwest, as a meeting place, we, were, we used to hang out as kids in Eagle House Youth Club. That was quite a, like a gathering. Outside of that, it was like 
I think Bristol's been built up of like pockets of bedrooms or kitchens or, you know, that one room in someone's house where their turntables were set up and their parents were cool with them doing what they were doing. Then once we got out of the bedroom, we moved to the squat, St. Luke's Road, and they were expensive in those days to have a studio or to have a studio space. Can you summarise what happened next? So obviously you were fresh for, you had this huge success with Wishing on a Star mm -hmm. and you worked with Swiss and Mighty, so I don't know if you were yeah. produced by Tree Stripe Records. Yeah, Tree Stripe Records. Because you're still a musician now, so it's a, yeah. it's a massive career. So just summarise yeah. to us how global it became and you were known up until Tokyo, France, Berlin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, with the Wild Bunch doing their DJing thing, Smith and Mighty doing their music thing, they opened the door for the Bristol sound and the look and the culture and the vibe of the whole city, which was just like bubbling, just bubbling, 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 just ready to explode. And, uh, you know, with the Wishing on a Star, it, it was just about alignment, the idea, it was just right, and it just, the production team was right. The timing for me was perfect. As soon as it was just unfolding, everyone who heard it said the same thing. It was just like, it was new, it was fresh, it was like, yeah, it was, it was a vibe. So that catapulted Bristol through the roof. And from that moment on, the attention on Bristol music scene specifically was really high. And because of that tune, I was able to kind of move, yeah, move kind of globally off the back of that and, and, the, and the strength of Bristol and what other people have been doing and are doing. There's evidence of late Iron Age and Roman settlements in the area. In 1086, the area was part of the Doomsday Book as part of Knoll in the Hundred of Hartcliffe, which is like some old local authority. The neighbourhood remained rural in character until the 1930s. <laughs> was there, what wasn't there. Philwood Broadway is the street at the heart of Knoll West, but is also said to be a shadow of its former self. The Broadway, as locals call it, was once lined with shops and also had a cinema and swimming pool. But now, many of the shops are gone, the swimming pool's also gone, and the old cinema, which has long been out of use, will soon too be gone. So I pop into the Philwood Library to take a trip down memory lane, down the Broadway. I remember Philwood Broadway, we had cinema. We used to go there on a Saturday morning. There was a thriving garage. All the shops it was there, there was two butchers. Oh, you name it, we had it. First, I speak to Mary Stokes, who's lived in Norwest her whole life. Swimming pool wasn't it? It was an Olympic size swimming pool. They had all the diving boards in there for the Olympic diving and everything. Absolutely wonderful. And does she see the Broadway changing in the future? I'd like to see a change, but to leave it as it is now is just devastating to see it. Helen Bailey's also lived in Norwest her whole life. And so, what does she think of the Broadway today? It's very sad. It's beginning to look better, 
but it's gone through a very, very deprived period with no, no funding, nothing, everything taken away from the community, basically. It was a thriving community 30 years ago. And how did she feel about the swimming pool there shutting down? When that actually was closed, they had orders because they used to do deep sea diving and, and they were booked up for two years and they still closed. Finally, local resident Jim Smith gives me his thoughts on the Broadway. Uh, but I did notice it seems to be run down and everybody I speak to say, oh, if you'd have been here in the 50s or 60s, it was healing with people. Uh, but, it, but we would like to revive that again. And what would he like to see in the place of the old cinema? And I'm hoping that when they do demolish it, that they will put up a, a sign or a notice board explaining the fact that there was a slight uh, a cinema here and that they, it should be remembered as part of the history of, of Fieldwood Broadway. So it's clear from talking to the likes of Mary, Helen and Jim that the old Broadway cinema and swimming pool are a big part of the street's history. And it's them sharing their memories of these places that keep the history alive. The estate started to be built coming down from Noel Park, basically Daventry Road, to Mel where Melbourne Square is, and up from St John's Lane, Glenville, Donegal at the top, uh, round to Melbourne Square that way. By 1931, there were a few side streets coming off, where you've got Carnock Road in that just coming up. Excuse me. Well, because the council had not given any name to that section there, someone at the post office needed an address for delivery. And somebody at the post office decided that because it was on the west side of Knoll, it was Knoll West. Well, if you know anything, you know that if you use the cardinal point of the compass, being cardinal, it takes a priority. So it should have been West Knoll. Then in April 1938, when the social centre, Fieldwood Social Centre was open, which cost £17,000, one of the first in the country of its kind, the alderman that came to open it took the opportunity to officially name the whole of the area Fillwood Park, and that is the official name to this day. When I used to go on holiday, I used to think I come from Somerset. Mm. <laughs> Somebody yeah. thought I lived on a farm. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I do, don't it? Other people. Especially when you have it played back. Yeah, yeah. You think, and, oh my God, when you hear your voice. And if it. you talk to somebody on the phone, they'd be, oh my God, she sounds like a farmer. <laughs> I, I can't talk posh. I can't talk posh. I talk ordinary. And so do. And we come out with different phases, and if you're talking to anybody, they go, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. in yeah. Shay. Yeah, in yeah. Shay. Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah, you can't. No, you can't. They can't understand you. Yeah, we'll be going through. Yeah. Right. Or what's up? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I can remember I said one to Arma once, and we both went in fits laughing. 
Uh, I'll, I'll see thee later then. Yeah, I'll see thee later. Yeah, yeah I'll see thee later, later, you know. Yeah. I'm in this muck. <laughs> <laughs> see thee later then. I'll see thee on Saturday night. Yeah. Things like that. Or my own cocker, my own cocker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Our dad used to say Our that, dad didn't did, yeah, my old cocker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. My name's uh, Bob Blackmore. And I'm Edwin. And uh, that's uh, Adrian. Blackmore. Adrian Blackmore. And this, this is my uncle Bob. And this is my father, Eddie. So we got a massive family, mind. We're one of the oldest families in Norwest, actually. We are. We all get on well together. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're all Very sort of, well. He yeah. looks up for each other and different things like that. You know, and um, we, we have our arguments, like all families do. Mum moved into Newquay Road in 19. 40, 46, 47. Yeah. And she brought seven of us up, two girls and five boys. And um, we used to live in uh, Newquay Road, number 36, because uh, we most of us worked on this when they built it. Well, they moved to Arklift, uh, not Arklift. Airport Road. Airport Road in the yeah. prefab. Yeah, in the prefabs. That's before Eddie was born then, and, yeah. and Les, and Clive. And Janet was a baby then, and so the council moved them from the prefab into Newquay Road. Uh, 1952, yeah. I think it was. Cool. Well, I went yeah. there in 52, yeah. Yeah, 1952. And uh, our mum and dad was there right up till two years ago when they both died. Dad died first and then mum died a couple of months after. I, I like Noel West. I like to meet people and have a chat to people. You know, you can, you can go out and you don't get people, like, aggravating you or nothing. <laughs> you can just go out and, it, like, Enjoy yourself, you know. People come, people walk past and they say, Oh, hello, Mr. Blackmore, hello, Adrian. I like to go down to the community club, which is in, in, in Knoll, um, the Eagle House Centre. I sometimes go down there um, and um, we go down there, they have like entertainment, etc., down there. So I like to go down there and um, have a laugh and a joke with my mates. <laughs> Where you got houses now, up until roughly the 60s, give or take a year or two, there was a big house, and that was Hengrove House. And going back maybe a century or so before that, it was known as the Manor House of Hengrove. The 1881 census, the owner of the house, Hengrove House then, was a Mr. Gibbs, and there was his wife, he was a property owner, son who was a, like a lawyer, a daughter, and a housekeeper who had come from Bedminster. That was the only people that lived in that huge house. In 1945-46, a vicar, a curate from St Barnabas, he started the club at Eagle House, which I don't think it was called Eagle House at that time, not the club, probably afterwards. The youngsters, they were given some paint in that and bits of old furniture, chairs from people's homes and they decorated that house and that's where the club started. Then you got to the stage where the house was pulled down and then they built a wooden clubhouse by the side of where the youth section is now, which got burnt down about two or three years ago. Back in the 90s sometimes, they built the social club down there. What does No West mean to me? 
I grew up not too far from Norwest, just across the dual carriageway in Whitchurch. There's a lot of houses that are like a reddish-orange colour, with big gardens and bigger families. I learned to swim in the now-demolished Fieldwood swimming pool with my primary school. The Eagle House Youth Centre helped start the careers of hip-hop star Tricky and well-known 60s rock band The Eagles. But not the American band, though. Huh. Here's some more residents chatting about the neighbourhood. We do try so very hard to make it welcoming, but then they take things off us. We've got no school. They took the swimming baths. They just take everything. I'm here at the top of Nova's Hill on a beautiful, sunny March morning. From the top of the hill here, I can see all of the city spread out beneath me. My name is Imi Taylor, and this programme is about the misconceptions and preconceptions of Norwest. It's about the very foundations of Norwest. It's people. These bricks are never ours, even when bought and bartered for. We pay for shells of soulless plaster, or rent old homes laced with mould. Weary chests heave, our wallets sigh. The Bristol laureate Vanessa Kissule has written this poem about life here. Michaela Chung's read it for us. I'm a local resident of Norwest, and I'm also a music artist. I make electronic urban pop with a Chinese twist. So I've lived in Norwest pretty much all my life. I live, work, and play in Norwest. If you put Norwest into Google, it's hard to find any good stories. Try it. It's all too easy to get a bad idea of the area if you've never been here. People do all the time. Michaela told me about people's reactions to her being from Norwest. Yeah, I feel like really strongly actually about like the way people see Norwest. And it always just feels like, I don't know, people are always like beaten down on Norwest. People just like judge me and look down upon me and other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's really sad. But like at the same time, like I just feel sorry for them because. They're, that means they're not here and they're missing out on all the cool things of being in Norwest. So it keeps it like an, our nice little secret. <laughs> Let me introduce you to Don. I mean, I'm getting on now. I'm getting really ancient now. No, you're you? not. Oh, yes, I am. Oh, yes, I am. So, yes, Don's got, a force uh, of nature, one of a kind, a true Norwester. He's a great barrel of a man with a twinkle in his eye. He's really active in Norwest. He's in charge of the gardens at the community centre. Hi, Don. How are you? Hi. Hi. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, good. Are you happy to show me around your garden? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a look at the quarter angle here. Now, this is this is this is going to be the showpiece. Uh, last year we had uh, flowers, great flowers over there. With the flower bed there. We're rough really diamonds, but we're good diamonds, if you know what I mean. Part of my sort of um, vision is to sort of access some of these good diamonds <laughs> and sort of extract from them some really good sort of ideas and some help and, and, and hopefully, hopefully to be able to put some pride back in the community because we've got the pride but we've been abused over the years so much by people coming and saying we'll do this and we'll do that and sort of really lifting our spirits up and they're suddenly just disappearing overnight without delivering and it's left us feeling like, you know, invisible 
you know, why should we bother? Nobody really cares, you know. Daffodils coming out. We've got our, we've got our, our, our wisteria there, as you can see, gone right up to the think That's going to start flowering quite soon, I guess. So there are chives and onions and carrots and a few other things that was in there. And the, uh, one, of, one of my favourite things to do, like, um, at home is just to be at home. I can, like, hear laughter and joy, like, all around me, like, my neighbours and people down the street. I can hear, like, laughing and families singing together and it just makes me like really happy I don't even need to entertain myself because I can just be like oh they're so happy like and it just makes me happy oh I want to move here <laughs> <laughs> for anyone that well no one can see but I'm like getting tearful but everyone I went to see someone that I thought could tell me more about the community oh yeah because I've got a face for radio see oh. <laughs> Hello, uh, my name's Chris Jackson. I'm one, of, I'm one of the two local councillors, the other one being Jeff Lovell. I've lived in Northwest all my life. There's masses of pride in the area. It's just that it doesn't get out. The media finds it better to decry the area than make it what it is, an actually wonderful place to live. They'd rather run it down than big it up. Perceptions outside of Philwood is it's Philwood, it's Northwest. I'm in my 60s, 90% of my family live in here. We were born here, brought up here, went to school here. So once you're here, it's hard to get us out. I so say you can take the man out of Norwest, but you can't take Norwest out of the man. It is not much that we ask for, the delicate dignity to plan and dream, to be gifted with a reverence of seeds, not at the mercy of the wind, but immersed in warmth, bathed in gentle light. I asked Don why he's so invested in the community. He told me a beautiful story, a metaphor, really. Yeah, I mean, I know it might be all sounded a bit hairy, fairy and pie in the sky, like, you know, but I'm thinking, ah, uh, if I can start a little ripple somewhere along that line, then that ripple might turn into a bit of a wave and then into a tsunami at some point down the future. Like, no, I shan't be around there, it happens to mine, but, uh, you know, it would be, it'd be nice to think that, you know, we could start something off that next generations can sort of, you know, add to and be part of, like, you know. We had uh, flowers, great flowers over there. The flower bed there was really wonderful. We had the hanging baskets all the way, all the way around here. And we had flowers cascading down all over and they wow. looked really, really nice. You know. Last year was our 80th anniversary of this uh, building. So I said, I've got this tree, which is too big for my garden. Now, it's in a tub. I said, I'll bring, I would like to bring it around to the community centre. We get the, we, we'll get some of the lads to dig a nice big hole. And then we'll have a little ceremony. We can get the scouts to plant it one night. As, as, and, uh, and then I'm thinking, like, you know, if we can make a big thing of this, planting this tree, like, you know, and all the rest of it, then, you know, I mean, they're about nine, ten now. And ten years' time when they were their girlfriends, I say, oh, yeah, we planted that tree. And then 20 years on when they got their kiddies, they can say, those kids, yeah, we planted that tree. And we can then get that connection from the past, the future, and the future to come, like, you know. So the chard, uh, we did the... Um, uh, what's those, those red things? I can't think of them. Well, we had those in pots oh, along the wall. Radishes, radishes yeah. you've got it. I had a senior moment then, sorry. <laughs> Chris and Michaela are right. Norwest does get a bad press. I wanted to find out more about why it has a bad reputation, where it came from. You know when names just keep coming up and up and up? Well, people just kept telling me about Anne and Denise, so I went to see them at Anne's house. Come on in. Would you like a cup of tea? 
Now I'm going to say sorry now before we start. I'm bound to say some fuh-fuh-fuhs. I'm Denise Britt <laughs> um, and I've lived in now. Norwest for 65 years. Phil Broadway was a fantastic place. Absolutely fantastic place. I could go over here and get everything I wanted. I didn't have to go out of Norwest. I'm Anne Smith. I've lived in Norwest for 58 years. Our group's called Women of Worth because we're worth it. It feels to me like if you know Norwest, you love it. I love it, but then I've spent months here. I've given it the time. Anne and Denise told me that Norwest's reputation goes way back. It's gone back years because I said when I came up, I had already heard things about Norwest. Only people like when I had my first child in hospital, I was told, oh, don't go up there, terrible place. And that was the conception that people had of Noah West. But I don't know where the reputation came from. It's never been bad then, has it? Never. Never been a bad place, as far as I can see. We have incidents, like everywhere else. But I don't understand where it came from in the beginning. Lots of people up here feel that if you go to a job interview and um, you say, I come from Norwest, or you give your postcode, people look at you and, like, you know, and that's it. You don't get the job. And it's happened to so many people up here. It's wrong. It's wrong. School teachers used to say to us, you know, you go for a job interview, as soon as you put Norwest on there, you ain't going to get the job. So lie. We're told that there is no money. They say there is no space. When really there is no trust in us and the honest architecture of our hearts. Denise has lived her lifetime. She knows Norwest. She is Norwest. And when she tells me something, I believe it. Whenever you need people... You know the people that you can go to and say, could you come and help us with this? And they will. They're sort of the earth in Norwest. You've got your bad parts, but you've got that all over Bristol. I asked Anne how she felt when her husband brought her to Norwest 58 years ago. Didn't want to come at all. Cried because I had to come here. Now I'd cry if I had to leave. I love it. Spending time with Don, with Anne and Denise, with Chris and Michaela, and in Norwest, it's taught me a lesson. Community matters. It really does. And people should be proud to come from Norwest. As you see down on this first bed there, we've just had some crowns of rhubarb donated. So I'm going to have to look around and find out... When a person becomes involved in something, there is a certain ownership about it. And with that ownership comes respect, becomes dignity, and becomes sort of pride and I think this is all part and partial of what we're missing at the moment because it's there it's lying under the surface here it's very much under the surface but we just need to find a way to bring it to the surface let's end with the last verse of Vanessa's poem I think you'll probably agree with me with her that we should look at the possibilities between the bricks the people Nolwesters because they're really really quite brilliant through the gaps in our foundations a distant picture of a better future reveals itself in a shy kaleidoscope. Just look at all the shapes and colours.
the possibilities between the bricks, the homes built by and for the people. For this episode, I'd like to thank Melissa Chamum, Charlie Watts, Norwest Media Centre and Imi Taylor. This podcast has been brought to you by BCFM, Bristol's first community radio station, in partnership with Bristol 24-7, Bristol Museums, Bristol Archives and the University of the West of England, funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Cheers, mate. Bye.